Hello there, I'm Paul Church. I'm the director of the Nemo Group. We are a tech, data and digital talent solution. And this is our podcast, Talent and Growth, where we speak to talent experts around all things attraction and retention. And today we're talking to Kartika around how to build a remote working culture and use that to attract and retain talent. Really interesting talk, obviously a hot topic right now. I hope you enjoy it. Hello there, and today I'm joined by Kartika Baju, uh, the head of people from Vice and Mojo. Um, and today we're talking about how to build a remote working culture to attract and retain talent. So Kartika, first of all, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Couldn't be better. Good, glad to hear it. Thanks very much for being a part of this. And I think just to um, for, the, for the listeners who don't know, it'd be great if you just gave a bit of an insight into your background, your journey and, and your role now. Yeah, so I'm an organisational psychologist. Um, so that's where I started my journey. I studied that at university. Um, and then I actually was in the talent space. Um, I was working with uh, pharmaceutical, large, large pharmaceutical companies um, with their models, um, how to hire, how to uh, find the best talent, how to change their strategies. Um, working with how to retain that talent as well in these huge pharmaceutical companies. So it's working very much um, internally, but as an external partner. Um, and then I went into an internal function um, and I have been working in the med tech space. Um, I've always worked in technology, really. Um, I haven't really gone outside of that other than pharma and big pharma, but um, med tech was where I sort of started loving technology, um, started loving the startup world, um, predominantly realized that the startup world didn't understand organizational psychology or some of those models weren't relevant um, in org design for a startup. And my main aim was how do we make that sustainable for a startup and um, I got really into that I started reading more and more that that material just wasn't available in the market um, how do we make that sustainable about retaining because these models are made for huge companies um, they don't work for the smaller startups or scale up companies um, and going through that journey um, but now I'm at Vita Mojo continued my journey um, and now I'm at Vita Mojo for the last nine months and it's been a great nine months so far so so far so good and tell us about the brand vita mojo tell us a bit about it so vita mojo is a hospitality tech business um it started out and was founded in 2015 by our two founders who is now the ceo and the coo um they it's a really founder-led business ultimately um the culture they put a lot of that you know value on the culture as well and building that culture sustainably and um, making sure that people don't lose that sense of being when at Vita Mojo. So they really do understand the value of having values basically and aligning those values and retaining the people and investing in people. Um, for me, it's very important that I join startups with founders who really invest in the people side of um you know side of it because a lot of founders don't see the value in the people team or in people um until you're at like 200 and 300 people so i'd love to i love to work with founders who see that value early on in their business gotcha okay brilliant well let's let's talk about flexible working and what the model is at vita mojo right now 
Yeah, so obviously it started out with COVID. How do you change because of the pandemic? Um, what does flexibility mean for people? And I think that's where Vitamojo started from, is asking people, what do you want ultimately? Mm-hmm. What is what is it that, how do you want to work? Um, and it landed on what is a hybrid model, what we call a hybrid model now. And um, people wanted days in the office, but enjoyed that flexibility of not being in the office as well. Um, and I think that's really worked for Vitamojo overall because ultimately, you know, VM has gone through changes and iterations of this model, um, but now kind of started landing on a more secure model of where it could be changed at any moment with the government guidelines having recently changed. Um, we've said actually hot desking will exist, but those team days will not exist anymore. So um, we we did have team days. So once a week, um, some go people, a team would go into the office. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like you were made to do that. Um, if your manager felt like it's not necess- like a necessity, you don't have to be there. So we kept kept it quite open. So at the moment, so the moment it is a you go to the office when you'd feel like you'd like to go to the office very much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And for some people that works, for some people, you know, they just enjoy being at home. Um, some people love the office um, environment. So I think we've really personalized that to whatever people want. And I think that's what true flexibility means, ultimately, <laughs> is what do you want? Like, how can we make that happen for you? So we ask the question. So that's what we have right now. And how's that worked in terms of things like communication, making sure everybody's always aware about what's happening and things like that? How, what are, what are, logistically, what has VM had to do to get there? I mean, you have to keep everyone aligned, right? So you need good forms of communication. So things like the larger things of communication could be your all hands. So what I mean by that is a team meeting for all of the company, a company-wide meeting every week to sort of run down on each department's um, what they're doing, when they're doing it, are they rolling something out? Um, was there a product release, you know, from each of the departments, even the people team release products? And, <laughs> you know, um, so we we do make sure that everyone is aligned that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get a lot of alignment um, on that. And, you know, having connections over Slack, um, having little mini groups, so not huge groups, but working groups, on Slack can be very important. So that's part of asynchronous communications. Um, emails, what is emails actually used for? Some some people hate it, some people love it. Who are the ones that hate it? Who are the ones that love it? When do you actually have to use it? So getting people to understand what type of communication works for their teams, what type of communications works for those individuals, um, that can be very important. So aligning cross-functionally can be a little bit more challenging um, because you're not maybe in the office, you don't have the water cooler like conversations of, oh, I, I, I know someone who's doing that, you should align with them. That sometimes doesn't happen. But, um, you know, I think the people team do keep on top of that. We keep a aligner person, someone who keeps the whole company sort of aligned. Um, and that's happening more and more. Our senior leadership is meeting far more often 
um, talking about issues, talking about what's going on in the business as well. So, um, but naturally that doesn't have to be in person. That can be online, um, set your meetings as well. Um, so that it's not covered in virtual meetings and everyone knows about virtual fatigue. Um, so, you know, we don't want that. So set some hours aside. Um, we have on a Wednesday where the whole business doesn't like have meetings for the entire mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, and it's called, you know, our flight mode, basically. Um, and we love it. Um, that means no one can disturb you. You get all the work you need to do. Maybe you'll go for meditation during that time because you need it. Um, we're not here to say what you'll do in your flight mode, <laughs> basically. That sounds great. And what, how, how, I mean, it sounds, yeah, it sounds great. So what, what, what kind of feedback have you had um, from the people in the business and um, how do you think that's helped your retention? I think people in the business enjoy the culture that we've built and it's always built on values. So um, they always say how strong our values are in everything that we do, whether we are doing something and recognizing someone is always within a value. Um And, you know, I think we hire that way as well. So it starts with the hiring process ultimately. Um, And we, you know, with the people who have been here, they understand it. They understand what our culture is about. Um, But having a strong sense of culture means that we have a strong sense of retention too. Um, Obviously, there are things within, you know, how I see the people team and how I see the business because we're an internal operations team is sometimes there are things that you cannot deliver in time for a person mm. on a personal level that that same with a product right so in a product you have a churn at some point um so you know you you can't always blame yourself for not delivering that mm. one thing for that one person because it has to be for more people so we always take feedback we always survey we always ask people's opinions we get how do we do this better like iterate on a process every single day um and that's just a mindset that we've started to build and i think that's really really important to have those mindsets because that means you will retain as a consequence of all of that um so i think people are people generally love to feedback and and when they do we take it on and is there anything else that's come out of that, that those feedback sessions that have been like, oh, we didn't think of that. We didn't realize people wanted that and you've something you've implemented. Yeah. I mean, onboarding is one big one, right? You Well, we know good onboarding means great retention. Mm. Um, there are stats about it all day, every day. Um, we're always praised about our onboarding. Um, and I think um, Hannah, my colleague, does a very good job with taking accountability for our onboarding. But also, you know, working with different teams on how to better their onboarding. Um, we have a four-week cycle of onboarding, mm-hmm. and we don't expect you to deliver anything or anyone to deliver anything. It's about getting context of the business, mm-hmm. it's about building relationships, so coffee chats during your first four weeks. Um, but then we, you know, someone said to us, well, we don't understand the product enough. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense. You know, like if you don't understand the product, how are you going to do your job? Um, So we do something called CS Academy for some people um, where basically you get an academy of uh, where you work with the client success team Mm -hmm. for a whole week. 
and do their tasks, understand how they work, understand what clients ask for with a product, how the product goes out to, to those clients. And, you know, someone said it to us and we built it. And, you know, ultimately, yes, it's more in onboarding, but they get a great onboarding for four weeks and they understand the product and they want to stay. So, you know, that I think taking that type of feedback on is so important. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's really, really cool. And um, how about for in terms of attracting new people into the business? So, you know, what the people in the business know what's going on, know what's going on in there. How do you get that message out to, to, to lure people in in this talent war we're in? Attraction is a big one um, and we're doing more of it. Um, actually, recently, I, I've been working with our marketing team <laughs> to do more attraction and lure people in. But I think with what you put out externally, you have to be careful that it is actually working internally. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the time you find companies will put out stuff externally. And when that person comes internally, that's not the case. And it doesn't comprehend. And the expectation was different. And that's when you start getting retention issues. Um, If your attraction isn't correct and isn't truthful, you get. And so the attraction has to be organic. It has to be real. It has to feel like it is you as a brand and you're doing everything that you're saying you're doing. Um, our strategies for attraction are very simple. We use our job boards, um, DNI. Um, we have a lot of initiatives around that. Um, but we also use marketing now. Um, so we do target marketing. <laughs> Um, we've only started that very recently. Um, again, you know, as I said, we're building a product. We want to trial everything um, and see if it works. I mean, I've never done this before, never worked with marketing in a advertising capacity like this, um, where we're, we're literally sending out like advertising ABM, like account-based management material to candidates. Like that's never happened before so you know this is really new for me and i think it's it's important to to align yourself with the product because if the product is doing that why can't we Mm. people team and the talent team do that and attract great people um but it's also about being really mindful about the language we're using for attraction so we want to make sure we're on the right side of diversity on the language that we use um because otherwise we're not attracting the right people um, so, you know, we use things like Textio to make sure it's, you know, the correct type of language on, on it. Um, we also have a lot to do with, um, I think with the attraction side, it's, it's important to understand that if you're not, if you are in, in this sense of, um, where you're scaling and if, if you, if you want to scale and you want to go fast, um, but you don't get the value in going fast, um, and then you're going to have a retention problem. That's where it actually occurs from. So you've got to be careful and um, really make sure you have really great talent partners, um, that you have really great people who understand your culture going out for your business. Um, Otherwise, this isn't going to work in all honesty. Absolutely. And what do you you believe is the the future of how we work? What does it look like, you know, five, 10 years down the line? Where do you think we're heading? 
I think we're heading towards great data, if I'm being honest. Um, look, like 10 years ago, when I was studying org site, there was literally, I don't think there was enough data, if I'm being honest. There was data about big, big companies and how models work there. Um, there wasn't enough data about how a company starts out. What is the data? What is that they need? Um, that data was never, never available. Now it is. Now it's becoming more and more available. We're seeing more data being available in our HR systems, in our talent systems, et cetera. But it's, in the next 10 years, we will figure out a way of harnessing that um, and finding processes that we could have harnessed that a lot better. And um, I think in the next 10 years, we're probably going to use more technology like that, more AI, more machine learning. Um, more ways in which I don't have to sit there and analyze the data so much um, and more ways I can be strategic about it. Um, so I think in 10 years time, the models are gonna change. Um, people's wants are gonna change. I mean, in the last 10 years, people's wants and drives have changed. Motivations have changed. Um, you know, a lot of people 10 years ago would never tell you they wanna work from home. Mm. Now they're telling you that's their preference. So. Um, who knows what can happen? I'm not mind reader or a future, you know, person, but like, um, I couldn't tell you any of that stuff, but I can tell you there is going to be change. Um, and it's going to be probably on the technology side, um, and how we harness that, especially from the people front. I think that's what, and people in talent front, that's what it's going to be like. We've really accelerated as well, I think, in terms of this uh, this work-life balance push in the last two years. So we're obviously talking now about remote working cultures, remote first. Um, I've put out a post recently on LinkedIn around how there's quite a few big companies going to a four-day week. Where, does, where do you think that goes to? I mean, I, I have actually tried the four-day week. <laughs> um, I, I've tried that and I've tried that with previous businesses. And you know, look, like I think four day weeks are an iteration and it's how you roll it out. And I say this to all companies, it's actually how you roll it out. You have to experiment with it, trial it, and then roll it out. If you're not intentional, 10 years ago, we weren't intentional with the things that we were doing. And so when we were trialing it, it was a mistake. Um, now, I actually think we have more scope to trial because people accept the mistake and people want to learn and be creative with that. Um, so yeah, there are going to be companies that might go to a four-day week and roll it out per perfectly. Um, again, it depends on the type of teams you have, that depends on the type of culture you've built. Um, and to me, I think the whole idea of flexibility and the change in idea in the next 10 years is going to change a lot because right now flexibility is still dictated on what is flexible um there's a paradox there isn't there yeah it's, mm. it's a little bit of a you know contradiction is we are a flexible company but we choose what is flexible for you um and i think in the next 10 years when people's minds change and it, it's an incremental change you have to you can't just change quickly um because for some that doesn't work mm. um and, you know, so, and as you mentioned, logistically, sometimes that doesn't work um, for many reasons that might not work. Um, so I think there will be a vision in the next 10 years of what flexible means. And it really just means 
everyone gets to choose where and when to work. Gotcha. Um, okay, final question. Um, just in terms of where you go to get your uh, intel or where you go to learn or where you go to get ideas, what, what sort of content do you consume? Is it books? Is it you know LinkedIn groups? Where's the best source of people in your roles to get their information from to help them? Yeah, I mean, I always love Slack groups. I think uh, there's a whole community out there. And I think there are lots of people in standalone roles and standalone talent roles or, I don't know, standalone people roles um, that just don't have anybody to soundboard off. And um, Slack groups are wonderful. You make communities there. Um, I go to a lot of roundtables, roundtables on LinkedIn, um, sometimes they come up with events, um, on, you know, events that I'm interested in. Um, recently I went to a round table about page under gap, um, and it wasn't run by LinkedIn. It was run by another company, but it, it, these are things that are really useful to me to understand and keep on top of. So I join a lot of LinkedIn groups. I join a lot of sounding board groups, like in, on Slack, um, and then I think another way of doing this is connections of connections um, and not to be afraid to connect with people on LinkedIn, for instance, who is a connection of a connection and you like their profile um, and you just want to share information with them. Um, I think it's a bit of a taboo. We're not really great people when it comes to socializing like that. Um, it's a bit of a cold invite um but i always like to type in a little message going i'd love to share some info with you and if you would like to do the same um let's connect um so i think not being afraid of doing that um then you know i learn off my team if i'm being very honest i don't know everything about people people's mindset changes all the time um i learn learn off other teams i don't have a big enough ego um so you know our head of engineering said something and I was like that's great that's a really people related thing I'm gonna learn off you um because you sound like you have a great idea so um be open to learning off cross-functionally off other teams we are a very cross-functional team so we should learn off others Fantastic. And um, if people do want to reach out to you and learn from you, what's the best way for, to do, for them to do so? And please, please do feel free to mention the podcast as well. Yeah. So me and Olya have a podcast called The Modern Employer, if you haven't heard it. Um, we uh, started that during the pandemic, like the midst of the pandemic. Um, I think we started that because we um, said something about remote working and hybrid working. And at the time, everyone was very skeptical about it. Um, so we wanted to get out there a little bit more of uh, what we had to say. And then suddenly people liked it. So please, please, please do listen in. We have different um, conversations on there. Sometimes it's just me, Ollie, and a guest conversing about different people-related issues. And I love to listen to podcasts. So this was a really good way of doing that um, and getting our information out there and learning from others who come on the show as well, who, who you know, have amazing, amazing insights. So um, that's on my profile. We also have a Modern Employer homepage um, as well on LinkedIn. You can listen to all our podcasts on there. We're on Spotify, iTunes, whatever, all of those all of those things, all of those wonderful things. Um, but you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. 
um i will send a link to you <laughs> and um yeah connect feel free to connect with me um share information love to hear from you as well fantastic well i appreciate your time today Carsco. and everyone who's listened today thank you for being a part of this and if you have enjoyed it and you've got some value out of it please do share it with one other person to help grow the community but Carsco, thanks so much for your time thank you so much thanks a lot